Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast. Today we have a great one for you. First, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant and his recent antics on Twitter. Next, we're going to talk about the 49ers' big three-team trade to get to the third overall pick. After that, we're going to talk about the biggest two moves to happen at the NBA trade deadline. And then finally, we're going to round it out with talking about the buyout market and what the signings each team has made, the major two teams being the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers, what those signings really do mean for those two teams moving forward. Thank you so much, Smash fans, for tuning in to this episode. And without further ado, cue that intro. They can say what they want now. Personally, at the beginning, I never liked Kevin Durant's antics on Twitter or just his antics in general. It was very, to me, it seemed very babyish. But as time went on, and as I gathered different perspectives, I seem to see it in a different light now. To me, Kevin Durant just kind of seems that he's evolved from just this petty man, or at least that's what it seemed like he was, to now it's clear what he was attempting to do and what I think he's successfully done. He's just shown us that he's human. He talks to his fans, he talks to his critics, he talks publicly, like he would talk to his friends. He talks earnestly and he's snarky. He claps back. He makes sure that everyone knows his opinion and he just talks like he normally would talk. He doesn't hold anything back. And I respect Kevin Durant for that and I respect him a lot for that. I think people aren't giving him enough credit for the trend he's starting to set where it's going to be okay in the next 20 years for players to voice their grievances, to voice their concerns, and to really show how they truly feel about situations. And I think that's going to be better for the game of basketball because the more you get from a player, the more attached you're going to be become. And the more attached you are to a player, the more likely you are to watch one of their games. And the more likely you are to watch one of their games, the more fans you're going to get if you are the NBA. So that was basically it for the Kevin Durant thing. I think it's actually kind of cool. And I think he should continue to do what he's doing because I don't only think it's helping his brand, but also the brand of future NBA players. And then also helping the league gain more revenue in the long run. Now, as I said, I wanted to talk about the 49ers being able to trade up for the third pick with Miami and with Philadelphia being in the mix. I think I'm gonna really focus on the 49ers for this trade because I really don't see much impact this trade has on both the Miami Dolphins 
and the Eagles franchises long term. The assets they got back were nice, and I don't think it was a bad trade for either team that was involved that wasn't the 49ers. I just think the picks and what they got isn't going to be very impactful, at least this year, for their team. With that in mind, I think it's really, really, really important that the 49ers hit on this trade and hit big on this trade. And by that, I mean they get the quarterback not only that they want, but the quarterback that best fits the system that Kyle Shanahan runs. Now, with this in mind, there are a lot of factors at play. And yes, I said quarterback, and I skipped over everything else because you don't make the amount of moves they did in order to acquire the number three overall pick unless you see something in a player that is a quarterback only. Because the amount of assets they gave up, if it's not a quarterback, it just does not make sense. Because their ceiling with Jimmy G is not high enough, in my opinion, to make another Super Bowl. Because I believe the NFC is tougher this year than it was a couple years back when they made the championship. Now, as I said, with this in mind, they are going to take quarterback. And they will most likely have a couple of these options. They will either have Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, or Zach Wilson. With this in mind, they are going to be able to have basically their pick at the third prospect of at least one person's choosing. And with this in mind, you have to really think what Kyle Shanahan wants. Of course, everyone would want Trevor Lawrence. But I didn't put Trevor Lawrence on there for a very, very clear reason. He's going number one. The Jaguars are taking him, and there's no question about it. So Trevor Lawrence is already off the board. And the 49ers organization knows that. That now leaves, as I said, the four quarterbacks I stated, which were Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Now, what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a quarterback is a quarterback that has a, a really good upper body and has a really natural throwing motion. With this in mind, with this in mind, it seems as if Mac Jones is the clear pick for the 49ers. However, the 49ers front office believes that Trey Lance's physical capabilities could outweigh Matt Jones' upper body strength in natural throwing motion. So this is going to be a power struggle from what I've been listening to and what I've heard between the front office and between Kyle Shanahan on deciding who they're going to pick in between. Now, there haven't been any reports that Justin Fields have, have been, has even been considered. And Zach Wilson seems to be the number two pick. So we'll see what happens when it falls to three on draft night. But as of right now, it looks like next, next year's quarterback for the 49ers is either going to be Trey Lance or Matt Jones. And if that's the case, then what happens with Jimmy G? I believe 
that Jimmy G will be traded no matter who they draft as long as it's a quarterback. And as I said before, there's not really a reason to not draft a quarterback. Actually, it would be dumb not to draft a quarterback at that position. With this in mind, you have to really stop and think, what are they going to get for Jimmy G? Now, I doubt a first-round pick is in their future. However, I believe for a team that is desperate enough, a team like maybe the Chicago Bears, or possibly the Washington football team, or a plethora of other teams, if the 49ers are able to create some sort of smokescreen bidding war for Jimmy G, I believe they can get probably a second and a third for Jimmy G. And this would raise the ceiling of a Bears team, of the Washington football team, to a borderline contender because of how good that run game is, how good the coaching is, because I do believe the Bears coaching is at least decent, and then especially how good that defense is. So I think it's really, really interesting to see what's going to happen to Jimmy G in this offseason, depending on what the 49ers do in the draft and how well they believe the prospect they drafted is ready and prepared for the NFL, both in OTAs and in preseason and training camp. Next, I wanted to talk about the absolutely buzz and trade deadline that we just had last week and the two biggest trades impact on both franchise moving forward, not just for this season, but also for the seasons to come. Now, if you don't know, the two biggest trades are Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls and Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat. So I want to first start off with Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls. Now, at first, I really thought this was going to be a horrible move for the Chicago Bulls. I really, really did not like it because I thought, why are you giving up so much for a 30-year-old center who could very well want to leave in whenever his contract expired or he's just going to decline after the season? both of which are very real possibilities. However, the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I started to warm up to the trade. Because what this trade does is it shows Zach Levine that they are all in on keeping him and trying to compete. With this in mind, if you are able to keep Zach Levine, this trade becomes a success no matter what happens if you make the playoffs or not. However, if Zach Levine leaves, this trade is a disaster. Because not only are you, did you give up two lottery picks, you gave up two lottery picks for a 30-year-old player who didn't help your team at all in a progression towards a championship and isn't helping your cause for the future. So you basically just traded two lottery picks that could be great players in the future for... Nothing. Nothing at all. Which, that is horrible in and of itself if it wasn't also for the fact that you traded one of your good young players in Wendell Carter for Nikola Vucevic as well, which makes it even worse if Zach Levine doesn't stay. However, if Zach Levine does stay but they don't make the playoffs, then their trade is 
not great, but it's not bad either because you're able to keep an all-star caliber player that has seemed to improve every year. And you also have a chance to compete every single year for a playoff spot, which is something the Bulls hadn't been able to say for a while. So I think on the Bulls side, as long as you can keep Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine, then you are golden no matter how your team record turns out. Now on the Orlando Magic side, at first this trade seems kind of iffy, but the more and more you look into it, the better and better that trade becomes for the Orlando Magic as well. Because what were you really going to get for a 30-year-old center? Not much. And now you have not only a good young player that still has more potential to grow in Wendell, but you also get expiring money in Otto Porter, as well as not one, but two first-round picks, with the 2021 first-round pick, I believe, being unprotected, in a 2023 first round pick only being top four protected. If you're able to get even a low lottery pick, especially in this year's draft, along with whatever you get with your pick, you could be able to retool this roster and reload and start winning fast. So I think overall, this was actually a better trade for both sides than I initially gave credit for. And I think I would give both these trades about a B plus and Depending on what happens in the future, we'll see how those grades can adjust because I believe both teams can go up to an A+, depending on how things shape up. Now the second, uh, second trade I want to talk about is the Victor Oladipo trade to Miami Heat, where the Victor, Victor Oladipo was only able to get the Rockets Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley, which that's pitiful. That basically means for the James Harden trade, you got a bunch of first round picks, which at face value is not bad, but when you consider that both Ben Simmons and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen were all on the table, that stings, and that stings a lot, because I believe you could have stayed just as relevant with Karis or with Jared Allen, and they both have more potential, and they would probably be they'd probably be more likely to stay with your team after this year. So, they're not more likely. They would be more likely. So, it's extremely, extremely sad what the Rockets made of this whole debacle. And it really shows how inept the front office has become over the years. And actually, probably how good... Oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. How good the Rockets GM was up into the season... He now goes he now works for Philadelphia. His name is his name is escaping me right now. But he was a really good GM because he made he made a bunch of moves to help James Harden. And they were a game away from the championship because I believe if they beat they beat Golden State championship. Pencil it in. If Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, probably a championship. So I think that they had a really, really great GM, and losing out on him made them also lose out on the Harden trade. And then for the Miami Heat side, this is amazing. You get a per person who fits the culture perfectly, amazing defender, gritty player who can play on and off ball and is, will buy into your system completely because he wants to be there. And you also 
get someone who you can do more things defensively with, which now gives you three All-NBA level defenders, which that is amazing for you as a coach for Eric Spolstra. I think the only question is how they're going to run lineups with Victor Oladipo long-term. Are they going to cut down on Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson minutes? Are they, pop, are they maybe going to make the Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson play more point guard slash small forward? Or are they going to run Jim Butler at the power forward and run Oladipo at the small forward? Or maybe run Oladipo at the point guard at times? So that's just going to be an interesting thing to watch. But I believe overall this is a really good signing. And if worse comes to worse and it doesn't work out this year, you can just let him walk. Because you legitimately gave up absolutely nothing at all for Victor Oladipo. Which, kudos to the Heat front office. The Heat get an A-plus for this trade because I don't care what you say, that's a, that's a finesse and a half. And the Rockets get an F. Like, you're telling me you couldn't get anything better than Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk for a star-level player, even if he does have some issues. Man, I, the Rockets really disappointed me this year with the trade deadline. I really thought they were going to be able to get more of a victor. That was, it's pitiful. It was absolutely pitiful to see what the Rockets got. Now I wanted to talk about the buyout players that have been signed over the past couple of weeks. Specifically the big names, which are Andre Drummond, LaMarcus Aldridge, and, of course, Boy Griffin. Now, I really want people to stop overreacting. This is going to be a little of a rant, so I apologize if you don't like this. But if you do like this, congratulations, you get to see me get kind of angry. I really don't like how people are overhyping all these signings. Yes, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin are both big names, but they're not good players anymore. They're decent. LaMarcus Aldridge can be a good role player for them. Blake Griffin can give them some quality minutes off the bench, but neither of them are even close to their all-star forms. Not even close. Not even kind of close. So to see people freak out because they signed LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin is, it's astronomically annoying. It's like if everyone freaked out if the Golden St- after the Golden State Warriors signed Boogie, if we all knew Boogie wasn't going to return from injury that year. Like, that's how ludicrous this is. Like, the fact that it'd be like, again, if Boogie played for the Golden State Warriors, but we knew how he was going to play when he signed. That's like... Imagine that. Imagine if we fr- if we freaked out about Boogie averaging 10 points a game on the Golden State Warriors. Like, that's what we're doing right now. We're freaking out because Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge are averaging 10 points on the, fr- on the Brooklyn Nets. Like, this is... No. These two signings do not make them that much better. They were probably not even the two best signings that were out there in the uh, buyout market. I would have like them to probably abstain from signing both. I would like them to sign one, but I think two is overkill because I think they need more defense, and that defense comes in the form of Nicholas Claxton in impeding on his minutes 
with Blake and with LaMarcus Aldridge is not good. You do not want to do that when your main problem is, in fact, defense. So that was re really, really not, no, not good. So to see people rave about this and be like, oh my goodness, league is broken, it's now unfair. It's not like the Golden State Warriors in 2017, 2018. It's not like the Golden State Warriors, the year they lost the championship right before Kevin Durant left, when they signed Boogie, and we didn't know that Boogie wasn't going to be able to return from injury and return fully from injury because of the quad and because of the Achilles and how long each injury took him out for. So that's insane. Like, it's crazy. I need people to stop overhyping stuff like this because then it underrates players like Nicholas Claxton, like Jeff Green, who have been on there the entire year and who have been contributing quality minutes because now they are just worthless because two players that are worse than them but are better names have suddenly just joined the organization, especially when those two players don't even fill the needs that the team themselves need at the current moment. I think people are overblowing this and now like, oh, this is a super team, when it was a super team before. Just because something's a super team doesn't make them the favorite, especially in their first year, because whenever your first year playing with someone, you're going to take some time to mesh. So it's that second year where you really should expect a lot of teams to hit that stride and you'll be able to make a finals appearance or get a ring depending on the talent of the team, if that's the expectation. So really, it's sad. It's quite sad. And now Andre Drummond is a good signing. He is decent. He's a lot, he's probably one of the best, if not the best, buyout market player I've seen in a long time. Because I think he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. So that's pretty big for the Lakers. But even then, I've seen some people tout this as like, oh, now the Lakers have a big three. No. The Lakers do not have a big three. Drummond is good, but he's not better than Dennis Schroeder. I would doubt, I wouldn't even say he's better than Montrez Harrell. And there's a debate as if he is better or worse than Kyle Kuzma. So this is not a big three. But this does help the Lakers in what they need right now, which is big men mobility, big men depth, and also defense. As even though Andre Drummond is not the best of defenders, he's a big body that can move laterally more than two steps at a time, unlike Marcus Saul and is more than 6'8", unlike Montrezl Harrell. So really, to sum this up, stop overhyping buyout market players. Yes, Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge were once great players. They are not anymore. Andre Drummond, big name, solid player, does not make the Lakers a big three. So stop overhyping all of these buyout markets, players, because God, it annoys me. Now, I really didn't want to say this in the intro because I didn't know if I was going to do this, but I figured I might, I might as well because this is something I'm pretty passionate about. I want to talk about the whole J.J. Redick situation. If you do not know, J.J. Redick was traded from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, that's 
the most publicized part of the story. What we don't know is that at the beginning of the season, J.J. Redick asked for a trade due to the fact that one of the reason, the not one of, the main reason he signed to the New Orleans Pelicans is to play with Drew Holiday. And now that Drew Holiday had left via trade, he wanted to also leave, whether that be via trade or via buyout. Now, David Griffin made sure to talk to J.J. Redick about this, and they had a couple conversations detailing what was going to happen, what J.J. wanted, and also what David Griffin was expecting as well. And from J.J.'s side, what was agreed upon or seemed to be agreed upon is that either he would be traded to someplace near New York or he would be bought out and then he could sign someplace near New York because that is where his son and his wife both live right now and where his son goes to school. So right now, J.J. Reddick can't see his family. So he wanted to go see his family, so he wanted to be traded. And David Griffin seemed to agree and seemed to be able to accommodate that or be willing to accommodate that at least. However, that is not what ended up happening. Obviously, because he got traded to the Dallas Mavericks, which is farther away from his family. And then on Wednesday, not Wednesday, today I believe, I believe it was today, that he talked about all of the grievances he had with that front office because he was super sad due to the fact that he couldn't spend as much time as he liked with his kid and with his wife, which is understandable, especially when you come to an agreement with the front office, or seem to at least. And David, Griff and David Griffin and J.J. Redick seem to have, from at least J.J.'s point of view, had a good relationship. So this surprised J.J. Redick. And J.J. Redick was completely honest with Mark Cuban on the phone and told him a lot of what was happening and a lot of the reasons why he is not he's not only happy to play for them, but he is willing to as well. He just is a little sad and a little apprehensive due to the fact that he wants to spend time with his family. It's not like he's saying that he is gonna pull out or anything. He's just kind of sad and he's gonna have to get this all sorted out before he leaves because this was all thrown on him, which that's all right. And I believe from what JJ said, Mark Cuban understood that. But that's kind of a really horrible place to put a player in when you're talking to a player and the front office is like, yeah, we'll trade you to some place that you want to be traded or we'll buy you out. It's a different thing if you go to the front offices and it's like, knock, knock. Hey, can I get traded to New York? And they're like, no. Then, all right, fair game. But you, I don't like the fact that David Griffin was like, yeah, you know, we'll do what we can. We'll, and if we can't trade you, we'll buy you out and you can go to wherever you need to go to. And that just didn't happen, which I don't think was very good reflection on the Pelicans front office and I think it's going to damage the reputation moving forward because I don't believe 
a lot of big name free agents are going to sign there until David Griffin leaves. And that's something they're going to kind of need if they want to take that next step. Because they need defensive talent down low that can also shoot. Something like a Brook Lopez, I think, would help extremely. I think that that would help a lot with this team. And also, I've talked about this a lot, they need a new coach, but that's a different discussion. I don't think Stan Van Gundy's a good coach anymore, but that's a different discussion. But on the front office specifically, if you do need to fire Stan Van Gundy, or Jeff, I can't remember, it's one of the Van Gundys. You can't fire, if you have to fire one of the Van Gundys, then no coach is really gonna wanna play for you either if that's how you treat their players. So that puts you really in a pickle, David Griffin and the Pelicans front office. So I really, really don't like how they handled the situation. And from what I heard, I feel really bad for JJ Redick. And yeah, that was basically it. Sorry, JJ Redick, hope that you do get to see your family in the off season and that you go to where you need to go to to be able to see your family. Thank you so much, Smash fans, for sticking with me to the end. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more about my thoughts on the trade that happened not only with the Rockets, but also with the Chicago Bulls, you can go check out my article that I posted this week. If you want to hear my thoughts on previous topics, you can go and surf through all the articles on my blog or listen to another podcast. If you're wondering how to get to my blog, if you are listening to this on Spotify or YouTube or Anchor, you can go and click the link in the description, which will take you to my blog page. And then you can just hit podcasts or articles. If you're listening to this on my blog page, you can just hit the article or podcast if you're confused. If you'd like to contact me and talk sports, you can go to the contact page on my blog, or you can scroll down all the way to the bottom of the homepage because I love talking basketball with whoever wants to, or football, or really any sport. So just give me a call, give me a text, email me. I would love, love, love to speak with you. Finally, I really appreciate all of your support fans. And I really just wanna say to each and every one of you, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate each and every one of you Smash fans. Until next time, PD Smash, signing off. They can say what they want now.